It's going down, and you're invited for what they selling. We ain't buying. There is no running. There is no hiding. There's only fighting or dying. It's going down, and you're invited for what they selling. We ain't buying. There is no running. There is no hiding. There's only fighting or dying. It's Going Down is a digital community center from anarchist, anti-fascist, autonomous, anti-capitalist, and anti-colonial movements. Our mission is to provide an autonomous and resilient platform to publicize and promote revolutionary theory and action. Go to itsgoingdown.org for daily updates. Check out our online store for ways to donate and rate and follow us on iTunes if you like this podcast. All right, welcome everybody. <laughs> uh, this this interview is for the podcast for the anarchist news website. It's going down. Just banned from Twitter. Yeah, really? yeah. that means you're like doing two days right. ago. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, can you just tell the listeners kind of? Where we are, what it what it looks like around us, kind of describe like if someone was here, what they would see, and um, and maybe how this all got started. Yeah, who wants to do it? I can go. Sure. Yeah, we're we're sitting here. This is Coronado National Forest. You know, it's the southern border, Arizona and Sonora, Mexico, and we're surrounded by shipping containers, both uh, shipping container border wall covered in concertina wire, and we're here at a staging ground where the construction crews bring all their shipping containers in and this is one of the sites where we've blocked construction for several weeks now um, this is, you know where they enter the border wall road and try to place shipping containers and let's just kind of describe uh what it lo- what this wall looks like and maybe how long it runs kind of the how it's constructed because it's really i've i've never seen anything like this well, it's about 3.6 miles of haphazard uh, construction that was done very quickly and sloppily. Uh, violates a lot of different building codes. Um, there was no concern for how it actually affected the watershed. Um, and they basically, you know, generally speaking, when you're doing projects, any kind of project, that would be anything similar to this. You have a lot of regulation for how things have to be constructed um, and what kind of building material you're using. Uh, because this was an illegal action, they did not follow a lot of these protocols and rules. They disregarded a lot of uh, structure, law structure around like how you can build things, and they dumped a bunch of trash, essentially, that you know a lot of these containers are covered in toxic lead paint and herbicides and pesticides and stuff from shipping yards um and yeah there it's not a sound structure there's a lot of gaps in it it doesn't actually do what they intended it for which is to supposedly slow down the movement of people and drugs in this country um there's a ton of gaps they can't build in really steep sections so there's massive areas where there's um you know quarter mile long gaps uh where where the land's too steep so it really it really fails at the objective of slowing people down and keeping people out of the country which is 
what they're priding it on. Um, really, it just affects wildlife and the way our watershed works. And this watershed starts in our country, you know, in, in the United States, and it actually flows south into Mexico into the headwaters of the San Pedro River, which flows back north into our into the you know southern Arizona, Cochise County, and uh, it's gonna, I think be pretty problematic for our watershed and can you you said it was like an illegal project can you talk about the like the how it's like arizona doing this on federal land kind of straighten yeah. that out for me yeah i mean one thing that's going on here is this is sort of a test case for republican strategists so they have this reading of the constitution that there's this war powers that the constitution allows states which is to uh, they don't need to wait for the federal government to uh, fight an invasion. And so that's why you hear on Fox News, they've really taken on this idea of migrants moving across the border as this invasion. And so Ducey's, you know, twisted legal argument for being able to place this wall here. Ducey's the governor of Arizona. Ducey is the, go yeah, the governor of Arizona's, you know, twisted legal argument is that um, the federal government has failed to fight this invasion and so that the state of Arizona has this war power that he's enacted to place these shipping containers here. Uh, it's obviously all, um, it's just a, uh, a, the fear machine that Republicans run in this state and all along the border, you know, to try to win elections and, yeah. And it, it brings a lot of money, you know, the sort of uh, border security industrial complex is much like the military industrial complex. It's a lot of big corporations and and contractors and and builders who make bank on this, you know, and they, they fund this whole thing. Okay. Yeah. And he'll, he'll probably just use this as a political stunt for the next time he runs for a senator or whatever to say, hey, I strong armed the government and I protected, I secured our borders even though... You know, these Democrats wouldn't, uh, you know, do what they need to do to protect our civilians or whatever. You know, they're just going to mm -hmm. use it as a bipartisan argument. I would just say, you know, so because because this is the Coronado National Forest, there's a lot of rules and regulations that, you know, for federal land like this. For one, this is one of the most biologically diverse uh, valleys in this entire state and the rest of the country. There's jaguar critical habitat. There's an ocelot that lives just north of us here in this mountain. An ocelot. Yeah. And this is, you know, the northernmost extent of some of these neotropical species, like, you know, javelinas and kawadi and jaguar and ocelot. And so um, there's been a lot of conservation efforts into protecting this this valley and, these, and, and the borderlands in general for these species. And so, you know, Ducey's shipping container wall violates the Endangered Species Act. They've built them, a like, you know, someone else said, They've built these things across two dozen uh, desert streams, which is a violation of the Clean Water Act. Um, and also, they, you know, both the Forest Service and the Department of Justice ca called this illegal at the very start of it. And so this has been somewhat of an awkward standoff between the feds and the state and then uh, protesters and the contractors, you know. And so we sort of called, as protesters, we called their bluff on this war powers. You know, we stood up to a governor who basically declared war at the border, and we stopped his machines cold. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, um, I think for, you know, this being like an anarchist podcast, that's kind of what drew our interest. In it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I mean, the law is yeah. like supposedly on the side of this not being able to happen, but has totally failed. Yeah. Uh, and it depended on, on people actually, you know, taking direct action, just, you know, normal people coming out, standing in front of machines. Um, can you tell me about how that started and kind of how the word spread to bring people down here? Well, um, I'd, I'd been out of state and I'd been kind of watching it a little bit, but when I came back, um, a few of us said, Hey, let's go down. Um, a few colleagues that are here now and, and I saw it and it was, uh, the same reaction with the other wall on the other side of the mountain. It was visceral. It was like, Oh, it just cuts through you because as has been already stated, the, uh, the critical habitat, a loss and and just the it's a border insecurity from my standpoint you know you're putting these toxic things out here on the land and they're not attached to anything but each other so we got our our hearts and minds together uh the next week and we said we got to do this so what do we do let's just go down and be prepared to do what we have to do um because um previous information had said hey when i went down they just kind of stopped <laughs> so we made our banners and there were about 10 of us um and some good media coverage and we just did that we got here um and we got here mid-morning and we stopped where it cold and i mean literally um the trucks that are military style almost like mining size trucks you know not sure yeah, they look like an avatar. Kind yeah, of Mad Max. Thing. Think yeah. Mad Max, right? So, I mean, so you get three of these guys staging, idling. And, you know, we just kind of said, okay. <laughs> and we parked ourselves, and they just about ready to go down the road. And they're in mid-turn, and they stop. So we just stood there. It was a windy, pretty cold day. And then another division of us, a few four or five went to the other end because we realized we had to cover both ends because they they staged the container shippers to come out but they have the excavator workers chipping away unearthing you know mature trees uh, heaping huge mountainous heaps of uh, earth um, widening the road to over 100 feet from a 60-foot border road um, just doing all types of desecration that just uh impales your heart so they were so we were down there and we could hear the excavators stop down there but at one point when it got really pretty hairy um we were we were uh because i said they just sit there idling they don't turn these these bad boys off right so um we got a little off the road because the sheriff from the neighboring county showed up and kind of kind of distracted us a little bit so we got off the road and you know the media were talking to him uh and then one just took off like he was i mean probably going 40 miles an hour when he was making the turn and i looked at one of my comrades i said no (laughs) we can't do that but as i said we had other people down at the other end and you hear this (laughs) i stop and and we waited for maybe a half an hour and then you hear the backup and luckily, he had land he could turn around in, so he didn't desecrate any more oaks. And then he just rode, he drove by us like, I don't think I've ever been that close to a, a machine going that fast. Um, and there's the, you know, the deputies are right there, too, right? You're thinking, hmm, 
nothing. <laughs> no reaction. Um, so we just, we, we'd hunkered down, we stayed there, and we stopped them cold. And it's been 13 days, nothing's happened, and a mile and a half has not happened. So, I mean, we were just, you know, you're kind of dumbstruck that, you know, a few people, I mean, literally just a few, we always said, okay, we got to have three and we have to have four, you know, so we really started out with just these just small little groups. And then we said, well, we got to come out and make sure we cover during the day. And sometimes uh, we'd only have a few people. There was been a video footage captured that shows another instance where it was quite dangerous for the people that were out there standing in front of the excavation work that was going on. But I felt that what happened is when you get that, when you feel that you actually can do something, when the federal government isn't doing anything, when a maniacal governor seizes United States lands boldly, brazenly, right out in the open, and nobody's doing anything, and we just kind of looked at each other like, well, power of the people, <laughs> people power. So, and look at what can happen. I mean, I mean, I think back to some of the early wall days. What if we'd done that in some key spots that were kind of remote? You know, you go, ooh. So I think the, we all felt so overwhelmed by the, what we went through and the other, but the, so we were kind of approaching this a little carefully. And then we said, whoa, <laughs> we can, we can do this. Yeah. And you can see, I mean, we had a great little turnout today for our, kind of our rally and another, underscoring of the protest while well, they're still here mm -hmm. there's still those bad boy uh, mad max trucks parked right back here mm -hmm. they still got the containers loaded they could really easily just haul another couple out just to you know it, so you know we just keep that in mind even though they don't have the forklift to load anymore but hey yeah in uh, the darkness of night when will they just bring another forklift back in here and yeah. I, I like to think not because of how resoundingly, you know, he's kind of deuce, he's kind of stuck himself in a corner not too with his letter, but he's not trustworthy, obviously. So anyway, that that was kind of how it, I mean, it might have been a little too detailed for you, but I <laughs> no, wanted no, you to no, know no. that no. it was, no. and, and you know, it, it's been kind of wild out here at times. <laughs> Short, insane moments. Yeah, uh, and, and it's been, I guess, 13 days since that first time. Uh, machines were blocked, right? 29th. 29th, yeah. yeah. We, we, we did the protest at 29th, and then we then we were doing the shifts, right? We would show up at 7. Well, sometimes it wouldn't even get here that early, so it would be like 9 o'clock to 3. And then once we were out here, we like, well, we stayed till 3 because we had determined that was their work. But then uh, this, the Monday before the Tuesday night action, I got here at, oh, dark 30, and uh-oh, all the ones that they had offloaded were gone. They were right over here where, where we're parked for our protest. And I was just stunned. Uh-oh. <laughs> so they've switched the game. So then we said, okay, we camp. <laughs> and uh, colleagues came to our assistance. We got tents and sleeping bags out here, and we settled in. And that's when uh, the nighttime action happened from 12 to 2.30. Um, and it was it was very stealthy because they came – over this incredibly, I mean, the, the pass road to get here is not a road. It has a sheer drop on one side. You don't, it's not a road you want to drive at night. And, and we could just watch them slowly come down. So it was a little like, okay, we were ready. You know, you're ready, but you're kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're a little, you've got the, you know, the butterflies in your stomach. So, but, um, again, yeah. you know, it's, uh, 
we knew they were coming too because i was sitting over there alone on the other end with one security guard and we talked for like six hours that night but as we got more friendly with one another he got a little sloppy and i heard over his radio that eight or nine workers were coming down and they had hot pizza for him so i asked him i said oh they got hot pizza for you he's like oh and he realized like he heard me he's like oh i don't know what that was i'm not sure and i was like huh so i radioed over i'm like hey we might have some people showing up tonight and i sure you see the four big construction crew trucks and their private security come down the pass and then they um they got here what about 11 and drove past the staging the other staging zone and then like slowly walked in while there's a group of me and some other folks came down to that end because we knew they were going to try something and they just all of a sudden they were they parked far away and walked up in the cover of night and all of a sudden a machine would go on and they would just cold start and try to blast down the hill to the the area they were trying to work at and uh one of the the people with us that night was like when the first bulldozer got going he's like everybody kind of just like looked there at it stunned and then he's like oh let's go in front of it and it was like okay and everybody just like ran i'm glad he like kind of snapped everybody out of the the shock and awe and then yeah we were all in front of one and all of a sudden another one would go on one person or you know a couple people would split off and go over there and some would stay and eventually it's like they tried to start four machines um and we all just like pinned them in uh and kept them from moving and that that went on until about three in the morning and they finally shut off the machines and it was like i mean by then things were kind of friend like they were pissed at first but they kind of just like softened up a little and you know we were like good game good game we'll see you tomorrow <laughs> like you know like we'll be here <laughs> and uh they went home and and then yeah i think after that they realized like oh these guys are camped out here and they didn't really try anything too serious after that that was like i think when they realized that we were in it for the long haul i, I would just say this was this was a really unique situation and that we were able to really take advantage of the confusion and the standoff between the state and the feds. Mm -hmm. And so that those who were like creating the rules of this conflict were us and the contractors, Mm -hmm. the state was nowhere to be seen. And the feds were nowhere to be seen. The, the forest service was not here. Uh, the County sheriff came out once and decided they wanted to have nothing to do with it. They saw us blocking and did nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it was a standoff between us and the contractors, you know, out here all alone without any other sort of authorities lingering on. And so we were able to just, you know, take advantage of that and be able to be really dedicated to stopping this project without, you know, seemingly any risk of arrest, <laughs> yeah, which they, is, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know how often th- this can be repeated, you know. Yeah. So, sometimes situations like that, and, and I know there's been some, um, a little bit of anxiety about like... Uh, you know, it being sort of just, you know, protesters and contractors out mm-hmm. here, uh, there is a little anxiety of it being a little wild westy and mm-hmm. there being sort of, uh, hotter hostilities between people. But that is, has that not happened just because y'all have been able to stay friendly? And has there yeah. been any other kind of like, uh, 
I don't know, like patriot types or like gun toters coming through bothering anyone? No, I mean, we were concerned about that for sure, but no, that, that never happened. And, you know, the guards are well armed, you know, they have side pieces and they, they, well, they had fully automatic they, rifles in the back of each one of those, yeah. those trucks. I saw them like M4s, you know, I don't know if they're fully automatic, but they had assault yeah. rifles. So we did a pretty good job of trying to deescalate while still trying to, you know, forcefully stop this thing. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of a goal. And, Definitely great. Yeah, really and we good. never, you know, we never, and we would, we were, we were friendly, um, respectful. We were always calm and centered. And I think when you, um, I mean, I remember the few days before, um, or a few days after the protest when we weren't doing anything at night um, yet, and we just would show up and stand there and sit on the ground or do whatever, and and they would just stop. And so I, I don't, you know, we didn't do any of the taunting you know you know we didn't do anything like that so it was like i don't think they some of them might have even thought that what we were doing was right you know but they're they did, they I did. Had several construction people say like hey thanks for doing what you're doing and wow. i also had security guards like i mean these guys are professional construction folk they know that this is not a safe project they know this is not how you build things and they were very aware of that um and I, I had several of them tell me how surprised they were at how nice we were to them and like how cordial things were. And I think it's like, you know, obviously you got to read the room in certain situations call for different types of direct action. But in this case, it really served us well to keep things um, just cordial and, and friendly. I think like being really cordial and letting them empathize with us as humans and empathizing with them because, I mean, a lot of these guys, like, they're just away. They're from Florida, Kansas, Missouri, all these places. They don't know where they are. Like, they, you know, they they had no idea what they're getting themselves into. So every morning when they'd have their work powwows, worker powwows, I'd go up to them and tell them, like, hey, look, like, yes, we're kind of stopping you guys from working, but we're also allowing you guys to do some busy work. We could stop you completely, but we want you all to get paid because it's not your fault that your con- contracting company like took an illegal contract and put you guys at risk. Like at any point, those guys could have gotten arrested. They had their personal vehicles down there that could have gotten impounded. So I made the point to them like, y'all should be unionizing. Like, what are you doing? Like, these people don't care about you. Like, like we have more in common than your boss has in common with you. Trust me. Like, and I think like some of them I could tell did not like me, and they sure would love to, you know see me in a dark alley somewhere but others were actually really friendly i think they were super surprised to have us be like yeah we want y'all to get paid and like come out of here um safely and like told them like we're not trying to dox you or anything like you know um because at the end of the day this was a uh media campaign and if people i think everybody really read the room well and you know because sometimes people have their different ways of approaching situations like this but everybody read the energy well and like kept it really good because i think it, it could have gone a lot worse if people were destroying machines or like you know getting really nasty it could have brought a lot more counter protesters or whatever and, and like i said different direct actions cause call for different um you know temperaments but in this case there's no need to get there because they knew what they were doing was illegal and they had direct orders not to aggress and um 
having been down here for a bit, it seems like uh, this campaign or these two weeks of blocking the machines, however you want to call it, has drawn on a lot of both um, already ongoing ecological efforts, biodiversity efforts, and uh, migrant solidarity efforts. Um, I was wondering if y'all could talk about some of the ways those have like converged and helped out here. Like I know there was one instance where maybe some trail cams from some like biodiversity monitoring or maybe able to be helpful or uh, yeah, just ways that those kinds of like communities or struggles have been able to converge here and help out. Well, yeah, one of the um, nonprofits is doing a border wildlife study here and um, it's a, it's like the heart of their study. And so they had a lot of information they can share with, with what they saw with the cameras that they have over a hundred cameras out here. And then you have the um, yeah. conservation yeah. ranch in Mexico, which also um, works with the same organization. And so because the day of our protest, ironically, it was kind of interesting. We see riders coming on horseback from Mexico and they were the ranchers on the other side and they hadn't seen the container wall. So they saw the wall for the first time that day. And they said in so many words that they hated it and they were very, uh, uh, just really um, heartbroken about it. And, and that's when some of the people that are here today um, joined um, us. And that very day they said, well, well, two of us will come back on Thursday. Um, and, and one of those colleagues is here today and has been uh, instrumental in, in helping us organize our network um, that we use to communicate with one another. And, and so it's been a really fluid, uh, I would almost say an organized, disorganized, um, improvisational, um, because you, you have all these different skills and we haven't ever been, um, within our group, like, well, this is the only way we're going to do this. You know, we, we bring in everybody's hearts and minds and they speak their mind and we go, we're respectful with each other and we work with each other really well. And it's grown from a couple of dozen people to, um, Oh, close to 200 people now that are in it. And so the uh, other organizations in the human justice um, area are, are weighing in too because we want to look at this as an opportunity now to do some good with it so that when we do take these off environmentally correct <laughs> um, and we're not barreling down our Forest Service roads and nearly running off a number of us a number of times off the roads these are small little roads that these people were these contractors were bringing these humongous thing, machines into on but so we take this as they say make lemons lemonade out of lemons and and move them to their to some designated spots where they can become tiny housing shelter uh homeless for for homeless people uh just you know, um, so that's what I want to see. I want to see the next administration um, look at this as an opportunity. Okay, we we went through what we went through, but let's let's get it going. Let's start the flow. Let's get this 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 out of here so that um, we can enjoy this this um, incredible valley that is one of a kind. As uh, one of the other speakers said, it's you. Uh, it's a place that should be uh, nurtured and just 
held close to your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people have come down here that knew that this was spared the f- prior administration's wall, you know, it, it, they were just heartsick because of because of what it is. So um, I think that all of us here, I can't speak for everyone, but I think that we'll all be engaged some in one way or another um, to getting this. Um, I mean, I look at it and I, I still can't believe it's there, kind of. Um, but uh, that we, and then the concertina wire, I mean, if you had, I mean, insult to injury, you know, the, I've seen birds correcting their flight patterns as they go over because I'm a bird person of the bird tribe. And, and I think, geez, what are they, one of those times, you know, are they going to catch on that? So we're, we're going to, I think we'll, a number of us will be engaged with this um, until we can see some see it start to go <laughs> yeah. all day every day something like this face up ass down Papa squat, the class is in session now. I'm about to give the keynote. First off, this is for my people. They trying to see Chavez on that scene. No, this same shit is still fucked up. Yeah, it really seems so. Let's stop voting for these motherfucking gringos. This year, uh, let's set a precedent. Nobody for president. Yeah, I think it's evident. The rule of law is a definite impediment to all human settlements. I'm searching for that betterment. You ain't got no solutions. You ain't got no conclusions. Why you still bitching? What's your proposition? I ain't got the answers. All I have is questions. I get the impression that the hell is stressing. So I keep it through, cha, cause they stay talking. That minutia, and I keep walking under that purple rain. Yeah, I call it fuchsia. They wanna color me bad. Well, it's all good, and it's understood. I put the politics aside as they continue to divide and conquer. Only makes me stronger. The beat is bonkers. We cut the deal with monsters, don't walk the way unsponsored. I fucking love it. Let me keep it 100. The revolution will not be funded. So let them hate. Ain't no debate, no need for talking points, just let the music play. So we create, and then we transform, all that bullshit, when we demand more. So let them hate, ain't no debate, no need for talking points, just let the music play. So we create, and then we transform, all that bullshit. When we demand more You want me to say it, no borders is still relevant Yes, we rap it elegant, yo, did but won't it, none of it Filming like an elephant, in the room still celibate Unable to be fucked by political elements Like homies making statements, shit talking at government Cause BP's like a garrison, stopping us for the hell of it Skug Sayadik, anyap jogek wainona Larson, kumbong amjot jork, wau gyor jokshan Ida tahna tam jorga sai si sai ju jok homa mo bokai ju go wanyu mata bob kai ju mata ju kore go kore bob kai ju bach achim pi hoit achim pe pe mo pe mo ap ju hoge kore wasich homach kam ha kyo ai wasich homach kam aba iwa iya
Abak hijau. Mah tak anji kat kepa merah. Cuk dah mah. Acem pek mah. Pek mah. Pek mah. Apa. Acem tak anji kat. Ida. Tak nak tam jauh dekat. Border agents and the borderland developments Ain't nothing but crew and for punishment Hella lethal as Bennett Patricio Executed by the vehicle 14 years ago Love to be peaceful, but here's the dealio Fuck all these illegal Europeans killing Indios all my people, Phoenix to Hermosillo Treated not equal cause our last names are Castillo McGill and Felix, so I flip off Agent Lopez At the checkpoint, dude raiding like Cortez Invading my res, like conquistadors Crusading for corridors, road the riches to explore And some call it reform, but yo I call it war We ain't taking no more, like Ferguson, Baltimore So check our war party, gotta make them bounce And the war cry we announce, or the awesome we Pronounce. We sick the womb, only all of us together Can be the blade that severs, the tentacles forever So let them hate, ain't no debate No need for talking points, just let the music play So we create, and then we transform All that bullshit, when we demand more So let them hate, ain't no debate no need for talking points, just let the music play So we create, and then we transform All that bullshit, when we demand more And there is Border Patrol patrolling out here, right? Yeah it's, it, Being out here, have you seen them, like, mm -hmm. apprehend anyone, or? No, I mean, oh yeah, I mean, on the other side of the pass They're always out here, this is a war, war zone, you know um, I work out here, I've done thousands of miles in actually this like area where this whole watershed uh that leads to this spot and in these mountains so i've for years been hey, watching what they're doing but yeah i mean after like you know i've been out here for i've lived in county for about six years now and it was really like this is one of my favorite places because it's one of the only places last left in like the whole borderlands where you could look out and see an uninterrupted watershed other than some roads and you know vehicle barriers and some barbed wire but but no wall no wall and and it's like it was one of my favorite places uh just to look out and see like a world without like as much you know it's still insane that there's even a line in the sand but the line was not very stark and to see that get disrupted and see how it's impacting wildlife over the last you know 11 days i've been out here like i've been watching the animals use use their new because uh, you know animals at the end of the day they don't look at things as like oh this is a bunch of trash they are like huh this is opportunity so i've been seeing how animals are utilizing it some are perching atop the concertina wire which scares me because i'm like i'd like to see the bottoms of these phoebe's feet mm -hmm. where they could be catching on the concertina um, I've been seeing skunks underneath the containers, but you know, these containers are toxic. So who knows what they're getting exposed to. Um, I've watched a lot of animals cause we had snow. So there was like a great tracking opportunity for a few days while the snow was, was held behind the shipping container wall to see how animals were moving along it and through it. And you can definitely see areas where they're, you know, moving through both north and south um through cracks and you know parts where the the walls weren't completely touching the ground 
But I also like trailed a deer for uh, a buck for about a quarter mile. Um, he had come down the night before and came down from uh, the north and headed down. You know, this is all part of his home range. You know, we're in we're in a, a transition zone between the uplands and the lowlands, and wildlife need to move back and forth depending on the time of the year to meet different resource needs. So, you know, he's heading just south and through his his uh, his territory, and he hit the wall, and he walked about a quarter mile along the wall. And then because of the way these walls are constructed, there's all these low points where the washes are going um, perpendicular to the road and to the wall. And when the snow started to melt off, these pools of water formed in those low spots and then we got freeze and they just froze over hard so this deer came down the hill and you could see some spots where he slipped like his tracks left skid marks like slipping down the ice and he hit that that low lake that was frozen and i could see his hoofs scraped all over it you know he's probably like flailing everywhere and then he i mean it was thick ice i was standing on it and it wasn't cracking and there's a spot where it's all broken open. So what happened was he walked onto it, got stuck, slipped, and fell and crashed in the ice. I mean, that night it was 27 degrees, and he got soaked. And I actually, I saw his tracks go back north, and then later that that next day in the afternoon, I just right here, like not uh you know 150 yards from our camp. I found that same buck bedded down on a south-facing slope under an oak, probably still, like, recovering from that really cold night. Um, so, you know, it's just little things like that. And I'm like, these animals are smart. They form memory. They're not going to – he's not going to come down here again and try that because they're not going to be like, oh, there's a barrier there. I should go back in a few weeks when they remove the wall. Now he's like – that there's a barrier there you know and so this whole generation of animals no matter what if they take this down or not these animals aren't going to necessarily try and uh they're not going to try and like you know use this corridor again and, and utilize their whole uh home range i even watched one morning a ground squirrel run across the road and went right up to the wall put his little hands on the wall dropped down the ground ran back across the road and you could tell he's just confused i wonder how many times if you put a camera there how many times he had to do that before it was like firm in his head like oh i can't go to where like where i've been going like for my whole life you know so i i mean i get it. people will say oh it's just a ground squirrel or whatever and it's like well it's everything the insects the the lizards the snakes you know all these animals need a way to move and a lot of them are going if something like this were to stay permanent a lot of animals would perish because they wouldn't be able to access the resources they need um all right just a couple more questions to wrap up Sorry, uh that was long no it was great yeah no 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 please yeah don't don't hold back um uh, I just want to hear a little bit about the experience of being out here at camp and kind of like strange new people coming in and uh, just some of the like better parts of like communing with people out here and the stuff people bring. There was like a warm lasagna last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been wonderful. I mean, you know, we've had some intense moments, but not only was it a huge opportunity to build mutual aid for people who live in this region, because as time goes on, this ain't going to be the last thing we need to have each other's backs for. And 
you know, being in Cochise County, um, like I feel like there's a lot of strong mutual aid and direct action projects throughout like Tucson area. But I feel like we're kind of lacking that in Cochise. Like it's mostly the older generation in Cochise County who's holding that stuff down. So it's really cool to like connect with more people from just the southern Arizona area who all care about the same thing. And we had people bring out like projectors with movies, playing great movies. Uh, we had, you know, just people bringing delicious food, um, sharing stories and like, yeah, it was, it was that was beautiful. I, I got to meet so many new people being out here that time. And it was really uh, a special a special thing for me because, I mean, personally, I live in the middle of nowhere. I work alone, live alone. Like, so it was really fun to have, like, that kind of social experience. Um, although that wasn't the goal. It was just, like, that was one of the side effects, you know? Yeah, like the fire night... Uh the, the, we had a great night well there's always great campfires but um, one in particular we had a wonderful um, colleague that was a poet and he shared a poem about the Sky Islands that just captured it completely and it was this I mean it must have been a four page poem but you were just hanging on every word and, and he delivered it so beautifully and you're just like ah you know so there was that and then somebody's got their guitar you know <laughs> and some of us are just sitting on our five gallon buckets you know <laughs> practically falling I'm practically falling backward on my five gallon bucket as I remember um, but the cold uh, not, it just felt great I mean we, I, it was the first night that I woke up in a tent in, in years with icicles <laughs> snow and that was before it got snowy my other friends were out when it was really really cold but for me I was just and you know to just kind of pop out of your tent and go okay so what's the day going to bring today we're ready you know I just sort of felt that energy who's got the coffee on somebody's getting you know and and um and some great organic creamer <laughs> that I was able to uh take a, a, a good use of for my coffee and so um it, it's you go back to your house and you miss the camp because of really what the few things you really need in life right you really realize hey I got my tent my sleeping bag and so I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of uh, you know <laughs> being able to get back out there because it, it really was good to feel that kind of energy and, and be with these wonderful young people too that gave me such hope uh, because as was just said, our county isn't, <laughs> we're, we're kind of, I think, like ground zero sometimes with some of the stuff that's happening. If you've watched some of the things that happened with our election process, it'll just give you an idea. We're kind of maybe the poster child for some of these other places to do the same kind of chicanery. So I just, I, I, this gave us all hope and a new energy and a new, okay, we can go after some of the other things that people are battling now, other friends and colleagues of mine that um, said, well, we'd like you to come to this, Kate, but we know you're doing that. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think we've been rejuvenated uh, because this I isn't going to go away. I, I think, you know, the, the network, we've created a, a network of hope. Uh, and um, and when we have to get, when we have to do action, we'll do it. You know, but we'll do it respectfully and calmly and centered. And, and I think that was the whole key. We just, boom. You know, we just stood there, <laughs> and there wasn't any, uh, ep you know, epithets. And there wasn't any, no. It was all just this is our this is our beef. You can see our signs. These are these are our 
This is what we're out here for. Um, because, you know, it has to be told. You have to defend democracy. You have to defend it in the environment. It overspills into everything. And we have a lot of democracy defenders in our county. I'm very proud to call most of them my friends. And um, I, I think we'll get this... I think we'll get this taken care of. <laughs> All right. Any final words or lessons if anyone out there is, you know, thinking about uh, blocking machines, doesn't know if anyone will have their back, just uh, just lessons from this for anyone listening to this who has a similar kind of project that's destroying the land to make way for the state to, uh, what's the banner say? To hunt and destroy human lives. Well, I would say sometimes... No, put a caveat. Very rarely, you'll see a law enforcement officer and feel safe because they showed up, uh, which I'm very, like, torn to say. It was very interesting time in my life where it's, like, when law enforcement showed up, I was like, oh, like, hey, you guys going to come out and, like, make sure we're not going to get, you know, the sh kicked out of us by counter-protesters or whatever. And it was like they a lot of them came out and were like, thanks for being here. Our hands are tied. And it was a, such a strange vibe for like this kind of, you know, any direct action. Usually it's like, we're always taking an L and getting, you know, the state coming down on us or the feds coming down on us. And, uh, you know, for some reason that was, you know, we were lucky enough to be in this situation where that wasn't the case, but, um, so, I, mean, I have mixed it, feelings about that. Yeah. It definitely sounds like it, in their official capacity is working for the state even if they wanted to stop this thing they felt like they couldn't yeah which is like it yeah it, was it takes other people outside of it to just you yeah. know to well, it was take what's right into their own hands it was a strange dynamic because you have one county sheriff taking one version of the rule of law and then you have the neighboring county sheriff who showed up to jumped out of his car um and said, I'm so happy you guys are here. Um, and what he would have done had they um, gone into his county. So my whole question was, how can we have two kinds of laws? We uh, protectors out here are interpreting it. And I think every American citizen would do the same way. But then you have this, this strange dynamic. And that's never really, I mean, well, the, the Cochise County Sheriff has gone on record saying he's proud of it. He's happy. So that should leave you with a question right there and why it goes back to my colleague here, um, why we were happy to see the other <laughs> sheriff um, in his response and how he would have handled it. And he would have been, this would have not been what it would have been had it been just in that, in, you know, his hands. So that that's what really galls you, you know, <laughs> that you can't, you can have this type of wrongdoing done in the in the in the in the boldness of daylight um and and it and it took a few like-minded uh, and hearted individuals to say no we're not doing we're not taking this we actually had the operations manager for the cochise county sheriff show up one night saying that they were worried there was going to be a uh, concert and they were scared of people on drugs and drunk around security guards and equipment. So they just wanted to check it out and make sure that things were safe. And I, I pre pressure and I said, well, you know, like we really appreciate you showing up and making sure everything's safe. And it was just five of us at a fire. There was no concert. It was like really quite laughable. And then I did press him though. I said, now 
we're kind of worried if if counter protesters, you know, if these right wing extremists show up with guns and try to like push people around, like, will you guys come out? Like, can we call you? And he basically told me um, that they're not getting involved unless somebody is directly threatened. Even though he got involved that night, even though there's no direct threat, and he told me I should get, we should get our own body cams and our own private security. So it's amazing how just being six miles away in a in one county really changes how how like your local you know law enforcement responds to these kinds of things. Um, I think the Cochise County Sheriff's Department was very much so in favor of this project, whether they made a statement or not. Um, they just you know. They're saying they're staying out of it, but really what they're saying is we want this to go through. I mean, the, the Santa Cruz sheriff saying all that about how he'd arrest yeah. the uh, construction crew if they crossed over into his county is, it was sort of the most bizarrely captivating part of this saga, mm-hmm. I think. It was like such a spectacle, right, for yeah. him to come down. And uh, it was funny. I think everyone thought it was like kind of funny. But part, for me, part of it was, that went back to also the importance of people just doing it themselves. Cause I, he was prompted to do that after people yeah. stood up to it and made an issue out of it. It was performative at best. Yeah. And like, I like Hathaway in the sense, like he has made comments on the growing police state and surveillance state and that he believes, you know, law enforcement agencies have too much power. And I'm like, wow, it's a really rare thing to hear out of an official, mm-hmm. but also at the end of the day, he's a politician trying to um, hold on to a voter base, and the majority of his voter base in that area is like concerned with being in a militarized border country, you know. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, it's all talk, and I appreciate him saying something, and I'd rather him be on our side than not. But uh, yeah. It, we didn't have help from really any agency out here. It was all grassroots <laughs> and <laughs> pe- people just like came together and, and held it down. It was good. Yeah. How, how many people does it take to <laughs> stop a multi-million dollar construction project? Twelve. Like 12 people? <laughs> well, no, I mean, one of those Sometimes nights it was, it was like, six. yeah, it was most of the nights, five or six people. Like we could have done just six. Yeah, yeah. six. Five, five at the very minimum. No, four at the very minimum. Yeah. Five if we wanted to have one extra person to Two. give relief and stuff, and six to make it comfy. <laughs> exactly. And then anything after that was just like plush. <laughs> cool. So, so. Any other highlights? Good little stories. Hmm. You got any, Kate? No, I, uh, I'm thinking. I know I had some earlier, and I just no. Oh well, just uh, some of the the animal. Some of the animal uh, story night, um, the night that the the action after the action happened, and, and it was like three o'clock in the morning, and um, but one of these Mad Max trucks started up to do God knows what, I don't know, just to scare us uh, the jeepers out of us because it was um, just a, there were four of us in this in the tent, and um, but then we started to hear. The coyotes, they were, they were a little bit of coyote action. And then, um, and we found a spot where they, they were getting through. Cause I heard this boom, 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 this kind of sound. I thought they're hitting the metal. So it was, um, it was interesting to see how, as my other colleague said, how the animals were adapting, um, and during all that 
mayhem too, you know? So, um, yeah. But I, I just, I want everyone to realize that if you feel it in your heart to do something, don't hold yourself back. Don't say to yourself, it's too big. It's too complicated. It's too this. It's too that. Get your, your thoughts and mind together. Get like-minded people. And yes, you can't maybe do it in, a, in all situations, but in apathy, there's, there's, there's nothing to become of wringing your hands and sitting at home and turning on the TV and, and switching to some godforsaken show, right? Just, yeah. just know you can do it. And, but, and listen to your heart. Cause I, I had to ask myself, can I, are we really, yeah, we're going to do this. You know, you just kind of do this, talk to yourself. And, and then you just, I mean, I just got to chill. I mean, it's not from being out here in the cold because I, I just, it, it, it moves you and it's changed my life. It's, I, I feel now going into 2023, a whole new person. And, and the more you do these type of actions, advocacy, whether they can be direct as this one was or not, you get stronger. Each one is like, okay, okay, <laughs> I got this. And then you just try to inspire and, and motivate and plan and, and like, like we did. So that's what I'd like everybody to realize that, that would be listening. Just, just, just do it. Don't, don't stand by. Don't stand silent. It, you'll feel better. <laughs> you really will. It's better to build a networks of mutual aid now until before it's too late, you know, and the more you can get involved with your community and the more you can help bring support to your community, um, the less people are, you know, turned towards extremism and like, you know, the more you can actually be effective at, uh, group action projects. Yeah. I guess very last thing, um, it, it seems like they're done building now, right? Like, can, can we talk about sort of like where it stands? It's been about a week since they've tried to build, add any more containers. Um, and I, uh, new governor's coming in and she said she's not going to continue. Just if you could fill in any of those gaps. Uh, where it stands right she, now. she hasn't made a, she's made well, What's a, her name? Katie Hobbs. Oh, she yeah. will take office. Thank you. Your music was beautiful. She's she has stated there she will not continue the project. What she's she's been stuck with this horrendous mess um, is is finding the funding because it this the funds that um, Governor Ducey used was for building the wall. Um, but I'm saying, well, there you go. There's a there's a um, semantics thing, right? If it's a border security fund, well. As I said, this is border insecurity. <laughs> um, and taking it down is healthier for, for all of us. So I'm hoping that she doesn't wring her hands and say, oh, because I'll tell you, we will <laughs> be, be uh, in contact with her. So Yeah, it's kind of hard to DIY, pull down one of these enormous containers, <laughs> let alone... What there's like 900 of them here about? Yeah, there's over uh, 900, so close to a thousand. You could, um, it was 460, so 460 times two. Yeah, right. uh, so that's a little under. And then, but then you have these that are behind me. So there's a, there's a good 100 or 200 of them. So you've, you've easily got a thousand or more containers, uh, and the equipment that 
you know, using to, to get them out of here is it's not here anymore. So, that, you know, we got to do all this back and forth again um, on these these poor, poorly, uh, these abused roads. So it, I, I hope that she does it in a sustainable, sound way. So we know it'll take, it'll be a bigger task for her. We want to keep the folk, we want to keep uh, amplifying this and keep it spotlighted. So that when, and, and all the myriad of jobs that she's got to take on, that she doesn't lose uh, sight of this. So, so all right. interesting. Thank, thank you. you so mu- yeah, thank you so much for talking with us. Wow. All right. Uh, I'm out here in Cochise County, and I'm going to give a little rundown of what it looks like for the listeners. Uh, driving down from Tucson, it's about an hour on the highway and then another 10 miles that takes another hour of dirt roads with a lot of uh, switchbacks and a little bit of slipping and sliding on the gravel. And then you dead end at it from, from far away. It almost looks like a train because it's just a line of containers, two stories tacked on stacked on top of each other big metal containers just like you see on the backs of a semi-truck or on a train with barbed wire concertina strewn across the top of it and all day long there's a shadow on on this side on the north american or the uh, the united states side from the uh from the containers it just casts a shadow all day long as you drive in, there's a staging area. It's got uh, a couple of big machines, some big excavators, and some trucks, some big moving trucks that look uh, maybe military grade or something. They're not semis, or they got like really big tires and they're pretty lifted. And every single one of these containers, and there's about a hundred of them in the staging area, and then 900 of them um, built into this wall has been driven down these poor, abused, dirt, forest service roads. The staging area has uh, a bunch of containers, some spotlights, a couple of pallets of concertina wire. And right between the staging area and the wall, that's where people are camped out. There's a little campfire, a kitchen, tents, people's vehicles and trucks. And then... uh, Right in front of the camp, there is another road that a border patrol uses to patrol. Before the containers were here, there were uh, some cattle fences and some some barbed wire fences, and maybe every mile or so, there used to be the old border um, monuments, the obelisks that marked the border. And as you come up to the wall across from the camp, there's a bunch of signs and banners. There's a, there's a snowman from, uh, when it snowed a couple of days and the snowman is covered in hay and looks kind of creepy, almost like a, (laughs) like a, uh, scarecrow witch and is holding up a sign that says $100 million political stunt. Some of the other signs say Ducey's Ecoside, This Wall Must Fall, Ducey's $100 Million Junkyard, Illegal Stop 
stupid wasteful wall, tear down the wall, save our wildlife. Uh, there's some big portraits of owls and uh, coyote on the wall. Some banners that say, stop Ducey's illegal destruction to our land, water, wildlife. Re-envision, no more division. Stop this desmadre. And uh, the highest banner hung says, from Cop City in Atlanta to the border wall in Arizona, the state destroys the land to hunt and destroy human lives. Freedom thrives in their defeat. This has been the It's Going Down podcast. Check itsgoingdown.org for daily updates, columns, action reports, and news. Go to itsgoingdown.org slash shop to support us and follow us on all social media platforms. IGD, your daily resource for insurgent proletarian life.